this is another podcast on coronavirus. Um, I periodically uh, try to give people kind of a big picture of how this epidemic has proceeded, partly because there is constantly so much new information uh, coming out. So um, here's kind of a status as I see it. This epidemic almost certainly started uh, by November in China, perhaps even earlier. The Chinese clearly suppressed information about what was occurring. By the time it became apparent that an epidemic of some severity was underway, thousands of people had already traveled from China to many countries across the globe. Those people infected other people in the countries to which they traveled, and until international travel ceased, there was then a pattern of travel by infected persons from one country to others. For example, in the East Coast um, of the United States, some of the infection was brought actually from Europe. Um, At least uh, as far as we know, um, it's likely that the virus was in the United States by December. Um, At least two deaths in early and mid-February in California are now attributed to the virus, which would suggest that infections were occurring well before the date of those deaths, and there is and has been um, extensive travel between uh, China and the United States uh, prior to the ban on such travel. Although the Chinese probably realized what the virus was like, it wasn't apparent initially to other countries how differentially the virus affected people of different age groups. Now we know that the difference is very extreme. Given the typical social contact patterns of children, adults, and the elderly, particularly the elder and long elderly in long-term care facilities and other group li- living settings, it would be sensible to assume that the virus was infecting younger and working age people first and that these people were largely asymptomatic or had mild illness that they thought was just a cold or the flu. So while there likely were many infections, there were few serious illnesses. And since dying from coronavirus usually involves pneumonia or other respiratory distress not dissimilar to flu, even those deaths would have not would have appeared to medical uh, personnel as likely being due to flu or some other cause and not to some new infectious agent until the experts were aware of what was going on with coronavirus in China it would likely have taken a longer time for the virus to reach the the elderly, and again, any initial illness would have been perceived as flu-linked. But when it began to reach the elderly, especially in long-term care settings, it spread very rapidly due to those persons' lesser ability to prevent infection and serious illness. Bad data from China led to terrible modeling of possible consequences of the disease, and coupled with early results in the U.S., where there were heavy serious illness and death rates because the known cases were so heavily weighted toward the frail elderly, it appeared that we were going to have a high rate of death. And, of course, instead of waiting for more clarity or considering other explanations, 
and driven by public health experts who should have known better, governments began issuing stay-at-home and business shutdown orders. And we all know now what the result of those are. So, um, at this point, it couldn't be more obvious from the data that children have essentially zero risk and working-age adults have a very, very small risk. The frail elderly, on the other hand, have a far, far higher risk. So left unchecked, this epidemic would have assumed an almost bifurcated shape. For the general population, it would have been fairly similar to a bad flu year. Almost all infected people would have no or mild disease. For the at-risk subgroups, especially the frail elderly and those residing in a group setting, it would have proceeded very quickly and caused a large number of deaths. Instead of the obvious strategy of focusing on protecting the at-risk groups, we chose to shut everything down. This has interfered with the development of population immunity, which would slow the virus's transmission to all groups. These actions have ironically created a longer and greater period of risk to the elderly. Now, instead of being able to continue to protect those groups, but not have to worry about any significant transmission in the general population, we have condemned ourselves to perpetual lockdowns, fearing second waves. This is unsustainable from an economic or social perspective. Sooner or later, we should and will be working toward population immunity. It is faster and more likely than development of a universal vaccine. It would be far less damaging to the economy and to our health. We will see a large number of excess deaths from both the joblessness we have created and from the terrorization of the population, which has led many people to avoid needed medical care. It is honestly hard to imagine a dumber response. And if we don't reverse course now, we will just be multiplying all the pain we feel from the virus itself, from joblessness, and from loss of social contact. So, unfortunately, that is kind of where we find ourselves today.